Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. My best friend gave me the best advice. He said each day's a gift and not a given right. Leave no stone unturned. Leave your fears behind. And try to take the path less traveled by. That first step you take is the longest ride. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello there, this is Chris Cooper with my special guest today, Kathy Tracy, and we're going to talk about teams. Uh, firstly, I want to say thank you so much for listening. It, it came to my attention last night that this show has had the highest number of listeners for a first month on air of any, any show ever on the Voice America Network hosted by somebody outside of the US. So I'm really delighted to receive that feedback. And again, thank you for listening. Um, if um, you've tried to listen to this show live right now and the Voice America site is still still down, we apologize. I'm sure there's a, a team right now in Phoenix that are working really hard on the problem to, um, to fix that. Um, it, it's been said that no one ever produced anything of great significance on their own. Even Einstein recognized that his achievements were built on the work of others and the support of people around him and in his network. It is a fact that teams achieve more. You know, synergy is created and behind every significant achievement that are not only people leading, but a whole infrastructure supporting. You know, like this show. For anyone listening who is thinking about developing their own business or have established one, you have to start to build your team from the ground up. And it starts with you. We have to think of suppliers, advocates of our work, as well as employees as being part of our team. How do we get the most from people and ourselves in this environment? And what happens when things have gone wrong? Well, we'll cover some of that in this show. Now, if you're listening and you're from a large company background, then I'm sure you've got examples of where teams have been high performing, some that have not, some that are on the way. If you're a client and you're listening to this as pre-study to a team development program you're about to do with me, then welcome. I really hope this show gives some things to think about before we meet. Teams, in fact, impact every part of life, whether it's you know, a company board, um, whether it's a family, um, whether we're talking about an extreme sporting venture requiring teamwork for survival. And that seems very relevant then to mention our guest today, because today I'd really like to welcome uh, Kathy Tracy, 
who knows more than most about effective teams as a leader and a player. She's a world record holder who, along with three other teammates, are the first women's force crew to ever complete an entirely self-sufficient ocean crossing in a rowing boat. They crossed the Atlantic Ocean in 67 days, seven hours and 20 minutes. Can you imagine that? The crew were, um, I believe, in the midst of gale force winds and, and really rough seas when they discovered that their communication with the world beyond their horizon was gone. The team had to work together through storms and injury and illness to reach their goal. Kathy is an organizational team coach and a trainer who runs her own highly successful business from the beautiful island of Guernsey, providing organizations with management and leadership development. She's also an acclaimed speaker who motivates and inspires others to push themselves past those self-imposed limits and really reach their goals. She's published a workbook that leads people through goal setting, planning and achievement called the ABC to Victory. And I'd just like to say a big welcome to Kathy Tracy. Hi, Chris. Hi, everybody. It's great to talk to you. And obviously, you're lots and lots of listeners, Chris. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Hope so that, uh, and, uh, but thank you for those people who are listening. So, Kathy, let's, let's start the, this uh, conversation with, you know, perhaps you could share a bit about your background and why teamwork's been you know, so important to you through your journey. Yeah, Chris, I, I, thinking about this, I suppose my fascination with teams started quite early in life. I, I was brought up in New Zealand, um, and for those people who are following the Rugby World Cup at the moment, you'll know that the New Zealand All Blacks are, are kind of a bit of a quasi-religion in New Zealand. Um, and certainly when I was growing up, you know, we used to get dragged out of bed at two o'clock in the morning to watch them play rugby um, on the other side of the world from us, where I'm now currently living. Um, and that whole team ethos was always considered to be something to aspire to. People who were considered to be good team players, people who could, you know, um, not just take the glory for themselves, but, but the glory of the whole team was bigger, was more important uh, than the glory of the individual. And I, and I think from a very early age, that became quite an important message for me. Fantastic. And, and you went on, didn't you, to, to uh, sort of join various other teams like kayaking? Was that one of your... Yeah, I, as I kind of um, went through my teenage years, I started to get very interested in water sports. Um, if I'm deadly honest, the reason I got into water sports was because my local surf lifesaving club was full of uh, quite nice looking boys. Um, so <laughs> one needs to be honest about such things. Um, so I thought that would be a good sort of team to join up with. Um, but through my surf lifesaving, I got involved with kayaking and um, got selected for the New Zealand Women's Fours. Um, and that was a really fascinating experience because in um, 1984, the New Zealand men's kayak team had won a number of gold medals at the Olympics. And when they returned, they wanted to use their experience to, to share their knowledge, to share their experience and their skill uh, you know, more broadly within the uh, kayaking fraternity within New Zealand. So they wanted to put together junior teams, women's teams, you know, expand the network. So they looked around and they, they found people in, you know, um, kind of sports that were similar and asked us to trial for, you know, potentially what could be the next Olympic team. Well, I have to tell you that uh, 
in our first few months of uh, getting into these rather narrow, lightweight boats, I spent more time swimming and uh, falling out of my boat than actually being in my boat. Um, and as a four, I think the only experienced kayak paddler amongst us was kind of pulling her hair out and thinking, what have they done? What have they given me, these three complete idiots? Um, however, within about, I suppose, a couple of months, we had really started to get a vision together about what we wanted to achieve. And that in itself really started to, to bring us together. So much so that within 18 months, we were good enough to get to the World Championships in Montreal in 1986. Um, and I'll never forget our first regatta, international regatta, and the, the coaches from the other countries came out to watch our heat because they were laughing at us. They were basically saying, there is no way you can make people into international level kayak paddlers in an 18 month period. You just cannot do it. These, you know, they're going to fall out of their boat. They're going to, you know, they're going to be miles off the pace. And, you know, we really shocked them. We were right up there with the, um, you know, with the, uh, with the pace of the race. Um, we were, um, you know, we got through to semifinals in our very first international regatta. Um, and people were after us for how did you do it? How did you do it? And I think looking back on it now, it was about having that vision. This is what we can do. We just have to apply ourselves. And we worked and we worked and we kept that goal in front of us. So, so having a, a shared vision and probably some set of goals are you know, important Absolutely. Therefore, in terms of team. So let's, let's just have a look at some of the challenges. I mean, what are some of the challenges you've seen when working with teams? Because I, I know that you also do organizational team development as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th I think that um, there's a bit of a misnomer in teams. I think sometimes in organizations, people say things like, I really want to be part of a team. Now, that's not enough. Just wanting to be part of a team is kind of nice, but actually it doesn't make people do what they need to do in order to make teams really high performing. You have to have a performance motive. You have to have a goal that is shared and that has enough, you know, that is compelling enough to get people to do things that they might not want to do, to kind of what, what we would call take one for the team, where you might do something that you wouldn't maybe want to do yourself, you wouldn't do it individually, or you'd step back from something where you might have got a bit of glory yourself, you know, passing the ball to the next person out so that they can score the try, if you like. Yeah, yeah. I guess you see that in football, don't you? You see some, some individuals who, um, and I suppose the same in American football, you see some individuals who um, you know, are part of the team and think about the team first and others who go for personal glory and you know, sometimes get the result but quite often don't. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, of course, in the kind of teams that, that in sport I was involved with, particularly in kayak and in rowing, you, know, you, you can't row, row faster than anybody else in the boat. That, that just doesn't work. You've got to be operating as a team because you've got to have, you know, physically you've got to have the timing right. You've got to be putting your oars in together. And I think that's a great analogy for teams in the workplace. And I often use it when I'm talking to people, you know, yeah, you can go off rowing on your own, but you're not going to win this race unless you cross the finish line together. Mm. Mm. So, so what do you think are some of the, the you know, real issues around team performance? 
I think there's a number. I think one of the key ones I see in organisations is a lack of trust. People don't really trust that other people in the team have got the right intentions, that the team is important to them. Um, I think there's a fear of conflict. I see this a lot where people um, think that teamwork is about being nice to each other, is about being friendly or, or kind of a nice togetherness. But actually high-performing teams can argue with each other and, you know, will fight their corner about things but come out of it stronger. And they're willing to pull people up and say, Do you know, what? You're, not, you're not pulling hard enough when you're all. You need to be, you know, working harder at what, whatever part that they are supposed to be delivering. And that kind of challenge um, is the thing that makes teams better. Uh, and I think that fear of conflict you know, it can stop that uh, that sort of drive forward. Yeah. So, so, so what we're talking about is kind of a transition, really, from in, from this this conflict, but being able to come out of it stronger. So, probably in that in that gap, there is being able to have conversations that perhaps, um, you know, in, in a very high conflict situation, you might not be able to have without uh, people taking offence. You know, being able to talk about the un talkable maybe absolutely i i absolutely think that's a key thing i think that um you know i'm i'm in organizations all the time and i tell you if if i had a pound for every time um somebody said yeah but if i have that conversation with them they might get upset and it it stops them addressing performance issues that are key and unfortunately sometimes we have to upset people in order to drive things forward um and it's about saying this is not personal. This is about the greater goal that we have. We've all signed up to this goal and we're going to have to, you know, work hard to get there. And sometimes that means I'm going to have to take some feedback that I might not want to want to have. Absolutely. Now, we're just going to move into a, a commercial break now. And, and after that, we'll, we'll look at perhaps why some people don't like being in a team. Sure. So over to Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you planned for your retirement yet? If you are a public sector employee, perhaps not. Studies have shown that employees of schools, educational institutions, governments, nonprofits, and public safety may lack the information they need to effectively prepare for retirement. For the answers you need, tune in to Lessons in Retirement, Retirement Planning for Public Sector Employees with host Jim Bishop, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's sure to pay off in your future when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network 
tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Oh, hi there. This is uh, Chris Cooper again with Kathy Tracy, and we're talking about teams. So, uh, Kathy, I think where we left off was uh, really uh, having a, a quick conversation now about why is it that some people don't want to be in a team? I, I, think, I think some people have had bad experiences of teams, and I think that puts them off. Um, I think that some people maybe just like to achieve things on an individual basis and are not willing to put the commitment in or not wanting to put the commitment in. Um, Sometimes people have had personality clashes or things like that that, um, you know, they, they say that means that I can't be part of this team because I don't get on with so-and-so. Um, I'm not completely convinced by that myself. Um, I think that you have to go past that, and that's about just pushing yourself that little bit further, um, you know, and having the flexibility to, to move to someone else's space, to, to where they're working and being able to do that. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, isn't it? Is is being uh, being flexible to actually see different points of views and realise that people have different maps of the world and views of the world, and sometimes uh, they may even be on occasions better than yours or, <laughs> or more important than yours. <laughs> It is, it is unfortunately true that we don't always have the, uh, the eyes of all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how, how has teamwork been important in your business? Uh, and, you know, we should also talk about that transatlantic rowing success. But let's talk about your business first. Uh, it, I mean, in business, uh, I think that teamwork is so important because, to me, you can achieve so much more if you've got more than one person, because you've just, you know, you get a range of skills, you get a, a range of views, um, you know, even just simple things like thinking about a customer base. If you've got people who have got different personalities, who are different ages, who are from different cultural backgrounds, they just have a different view about how the customer might see you. And that's such good information for you as a business. If you're only looking at it from one set of eyes, you know, I would want this, then you're missing a trick. Mm, mm. So, so how about the, uh, you know, so I, I guess on your, your, sort of, your sort of rowing venture for 67 days across the Atlantic, that uh, you know, having four pairs of eyes out there <laughs> in that vast expanse of sea was, uh, was pretty important. So, Well, I, I don't know if I've told you this story, Chris, but there's um, a funny story about having four sets of eyes because although you did have four sets of eyes, they weren't always as reliable as, you, as you'd like. There was a, there was a night where um, Sarah and I were on, um, on deck and the other two were asleep in the cabin or trying to sleep in the cabin. And one of our biggest worries in the middle of the Atlantic when you're in a small rowing boat is major shipping because, as you can imagine, I mean, the ships out in the middle of the Atlantic, you know, some of them are a mile long. They are unbelievably massive. And the story goes that a lot of these ships, you know, they put themselves on autopilot and they all, you know, 
go to sleep or, you know, go and have a few beers downstairs or whatever it is that they do. Um, you know, and they just let themselves run overnight because, frankly, what would you come across? So one night Sarah and I were on deck and we saw this white light, you know, coming towards it, well, basically, you know, getting bigger and bigger, which clearly meant it was getting closer and closer. So we got on our VHF radio because we didn't have a, a satellite phone at that point. So we got on the VHF and we said, uh, you know, Mission Atlantic, calling ship, bearing, you know, da-da-da, and uh, no answer. Called again, called again. And Sarah, who's actually a primary school teacher, got on the radio and she put on her best school teacher voice and said, will you answer our call? <laughs> anyway, we ended up thinking that this ship was basically coming straight at us and we had to decide what we were going to do. We were going to completely veer off course to try and get out of its way. But it didn't have any navigation lights. We couldn't see the red or green lights. So we couldn't tell which way it was going. All we could see was this light getting bigger and bigger. So clearly we were starting to get a bit concerned about this. So we woke up um, the other two crew, which is something you just don't do when you only get four hours sleep in a 24-hour period. Um, and we woke them up and Paula stuck her head out of the um, hatch, looked over the back of the boat and said, it's the bloody moon, and got back in and went to sleep. <laughs> so we had spent the best part of about an hour and a half watching the moon rise, thinking that it was the light on a vessel about to run us down. So not only is four sets of eyes not enough, but four sets of eyes having not had enough sleep is also not enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yes, often uh, different views, very important. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's bringing back memories of, a, of a, a holiday in South Africa I had with my wife and she still talks about it to this day when I told her to come and look at the, the beautiful moon and it was huge outside of the window and she looked out and said, it's a light, you silly thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing the other way around. <laughs> now, when, when we're in a team, um, you can have issues clearly with either somebody who's not performing yeah. um, or you know, somebody, who's, you know, somebody who's not pulling their weight or maybe yeah. they, don't, you know, they don't have the skills. And yeah. I, I know when you were on the, on the team, you know, something you know, unfortunate happened uh, with, yeah. your, with yourself, which uh, you know, was very difficult. Which was very difficult and, uh, yeah. and very challenging in the team. And I know that was you, you got seasickness, didn't you? Do you want to talk about that and how that impacted the team? And yeah, how, how I... Clearly, I didn't row the Atlantic on the basis that I thought I was going to get seasick and ne neither did anybody else, you know. Um, but unfortunately, within about two days, three days of leaving land, I started to feel quite ill. Um, and we didn't really think it was seasickness because I didn't really think I got seasickness. Um, but it was and it got worse and I continue to um, basically not be able to keep anything down um, for about 12 days. Mm. Now, what you can imagine is, and anybody who's listening who has been seasick for a number of hours will probably be cringing at this very moment, even just contemplating 12 days of seasickness is completely horrendous. Um, and, of course, by that stage, I was dangerously dehydrated. Um, I'd started to... I think probably my mind was starting to get a little bit woolly around the edges, let's say, um, and I had to, uh, what um, towards the end of that 12 days, 
I was I was struggling even to row at all. I'd take a couple of strokes and then I'd think I was going to be sick, but I didn't have anything. You know, by that stage, I didn't even have any fluids in me. Um, and, and it had got to, to quite a, a bad place, really. Um, the rest of the crew were picking up my shifts, so that was bad for them. Um, the I felt absolutely dreadful, not just physically, but I think even more so psychologically because, you know, I wasn't pulling my weight. I, I, you know, although my weight was going down and there wasn't a lot to pull at that point, it was, you know, I, I wasn't there as a passenger, I was there as a rower. Um, and so I had to have that conversation with them and that that really was a challenge for me and I had to dig very deep internally to call a meeting um, and to say, I want to have a crew meeting. I want to talk about my seasickness. I want to talk about the fact whether I should be staying on this boat or whether we should be trying to call up rescue craft and get me off, what that would mean because the overall challenge then would really be they would be able to complete the row, but we wouldn't have been able to get the world record because four of us hadn't completed. Um, so it put the whole thing at risk. So it was a really incredibly difficult conversation to have. Uh, we did have the conversation, um, and I remember afterwards uh, one of the crew saying, shaking her head and saying to me, I don't know where you got the energy to do that from. And, uh, you know, I look back on it now, and, and she was dead right, of course. It was... It was a real, you know, kind of last ditch. I'm going to have to communicate with people about what's going on here. Um, and we we made a decision at that point that we were going to wait 24 hours to decide what to do, um, which probably doesn't sound like much of a decision, you know, here on dry land. But actually what it did was it, it gave us a focus. It gave us a time frame. It said something will happen in 24 hours' time. And in the meantime, we made a decision about um, trying to contact um, somebody, just using our VHF and, and trying to contact um, and, you know, seeing if we could get any help. Um, and we managed to get hold of a passing uh, yacht who asked us whether we had any honey on board. And we said, yes, we did. And they said, get some honey on your finger and rub it around your gums. Mm. And because you're not swallowing, you won't be sick, but it will start to get some sugar into your system. And actually what that did was it perked me up, up enough to say, I think I can do another 24 hours. Let's see how we go. And in fact, over the next three days, I, I became well again. So the, so the important message really out of this is about you know, when you get these kind of crisis points is not being afraid to openly talk about them, you know, call a crisis meeting yeah. and, and agree you know, collectively a route forward. Yeah, it was it was very tough because nobody really wanted to talk about it. At least of all me, frankly. Um, and I, you know, at the time, I should think they probably wanted to throw me overboard. I think if I was in their shoes, I probably wouldn't. Um, you know, because I, I was dead weight. You know, and they didn't know whether I was going to get better or not. Yeah, yeah. So it was really tough. So, so is is it uh, sort of moving on from that uh, story? Is, is it good? Good to have people with similar ideas and backgrounds on a you know on a uh, in a team or should we be looking for for variety personally i think it's harder but it's better to have diversity it's harder because it takes you longer to work together in a uniform kind of way but what it gives you 
is a much broader base of skills and knowledge and attitudes to draw upon. So you've just got a broader resource base. So the the you know the more variety you've got, I would argue that that is better. It does though take effort to bring that together in order to achieve your, whatever your performance targets are. But you've got more to draw on. And potentially, I guess there you you have a bit more risk of conflict if you're not all very all, all quite similar. Um, that is that is true, Chris. But I but I do think that actually the problem with being similar is I wonder whether you're actually less likely to have conflict because you kind of assume that you're the same when you're not. Whereas when you're different, you're more likely to stick those views on the table. Yeah, I think that's probably. probably does true. that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. So, so just um, we've got about another couple of minutes before a commercial break. But mm. you know, clearly, a, a team needs goals and a, and a vision. But how does it collectively decide on what what those goals are? I, I suppose that rather depends on when and where the team is. I mean, in a business context, I would argue that if you've got a performance goal that needs a team, that's when you put the team together. So the team and the and the goal come together. Um, often there might be a broad goal that then the team comes together to decide the how and the and the specifics. Um, but often people call themselves a team when they're they're really kind of a group of people working together. They're not really a team. They haven't got a a particular performance drive. Uh, and I, and I think there is a difference between a group and a team. And I think a team is that that thing where it's more than a sum of the parts. Where actually it's not lots of individuals working together. It's lots of individuals making more of themselves by working together. Mm. You know, I could never have rode the Atlantic on my own in the in that sort of same, you know, to to get that same kind of result. Yeah. So actually, four people together gets you the benefit of six. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, I, I think it does. It it also brings you know it brings all sorts of complexities to it. But frankly, which I find much more interesting. I would have been bored. Absolutely rigid. If I had rode it on my own, <laughs> <laughs> I would have probably thrown myself overboard. <laughs> you'd have been, you'd have been talking to yourself, wouldn't you? Again, when you got <laughs> off. <laughs> Crikey! Well, I think we're just about to go uh, over to another commercial break, so I'll hand us back over to Voice America. the boardroom to you voice america business network entrepreneurial insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership presented by sunbelt business brokers the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world entrepreneurial insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners if you own or want to own a small business listen for entrepreneurial insights with john davies pino boccinello and matt ottaway fridays at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america business channel do you really understand the global economy the media paints a certain picture but are you really getting the full story or only half of it listen to strategic wealth choosing simplicity in finance with your host Stephen air this program will bring a full and objective look at the global economy and help you sort through the bias of traditional media so that you can completely understand today's economic theories and make the right decisions in your portfolio strategic wealth airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time 6 a.m. Pacific on voice America business voice america business network 
the bottom line in business. Leave no stone unturned. Leave your fears behind. And try to take the path less traveled by. That first step you take is the longest ride. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and I'm talking to Kathy Tracy about Teams. And Kathy, you know, before the break, we talked about... Uh, goals, um, what else needs to be in place to ensure really that you achieve those goals? In a team setting, I think there's five things. There's trust. We need to trust the people around us, not to the extent that, you know, we give them our newborn child, but to the extent that they have got, you know, good intentions for the team, that they will do things for the team. Accountability to the team. So I'm not just, you know, holding the ball for myself and getting the glory, that I'm actually saying we achieve or we fail and not pointing the finger, you know, at either kind of end of the spectrum there. I think willingness to have conflict, the difficult conversations, you're not pulling your weight, I'm not pulling my weight, here's what's happening. Commitment is absolutely key. I have to be committed to that, whatever that outcome goal is. Even rowing across the Atlantic, which, which might sound like it was in itself a complete goal, even then we had to drill down to what we meant by that for the four of us because it, it's one thing to row across the Atlantic. It's quite a different thing to row across the Atlantic as fast as you can and another thing to row across the Atlantic with the aim of getting there safely with all four of you still speaking to each other. And they're, they're different. You know, and so we had to think about, you know, what at what level are we willing to take risks for speed, for example? You know, do we take a very heavy life raft or do we take a lighter life raft? You know, all these things would either slow us down or speed us up, but had implications on risk. And I think finally, the real big one for me is the attention to results. People have to pay attention to what is happening. You know, how many miles have we rowed today? How many of, you know, how many of these widgets have we made in our processing plant today? How many units have we sold today? You know, what are our customers saying about us? Actually paying attention to what's happening in the business, extremely important. So, Grant, there's some, uh, some, some significant things in there. I think those are very valuable. So maybe what we should do is just let's, let's go back and take each of one of those in turn. Um, so we, I think the first thing you've mentioned was team. So how do we build trust in a team? So it's not team, but trust was so Yeah, I, I think in, I mean, one of the things that I do with teams, which I think works really well and is very simple, is just get them to know a little bit more about each other. Now, that might sound very basic, but as human beings, we we make connections with people based on all sorts of different things. So sometimes if I'm working with a large team, I'll simply get them to walk around the room, to talk to everybody else, and to find out one thing that they've got in common outside of work. And that could be 
being the youngest in their family. It could be horse riding. It, it could be anything. But it just starts to make connections. And the more connected we feel to people, the more we trust them. So with smaller teams, when I'm working, trying to build, a, you know, kind of a, a higher level of trust, I'll ask them things like, um, tell us about a, a childhood challenge that you had. Tell us about where you are in your family and what that means to you. Tell us about where you were brought up and why that's important to you. These are the kinds of questions that allow people to reveal a little bit of themselves and allow others to kind of make that connection and get some more idea. Who's, who's this person that I'm putting this trust in? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love, uh, there's a book called The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey. So if yes, you, know it well. If anyone's li- listening and not read that book, I, I'd strongly recommend it because, uh, and because uh, it had a big impact on, on, on my thinking around trust. And I think a lot of people didn't necessarily appreciate before that book, you know, what the significance of trust was and how it can have such a huge impact on performance and results Absolutely. and bottom line. And Yeah, and in, and in business, you know, if you don't trust somebody, the amount of time it takes you not to trust someone is phenomenal once you start adding it up. You know, if you're watching them all the time, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, if you're checking up on what their results are all the time because you can't trust them, you're not doing what you should be doing. It takes an enormous amount of time not to trust people. It's much quicker to trust people. Uh, absolutely. And I guess also, you know, it comes down to two to learning to really trust yourself as well. I mean, I, I love a, a distinction that I picked up from, from reading that book is that people uh, judge themselves based on their intentions while other people judge, uh, judge them based on their behavior. Yeah. And there's a gap between the two. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> if we can make our attentions aligned so they are also always come out as our behavior, then I guess people are going to trust us more. Yeah, absolutely. We will be and, safe. You know, People say, oh, how, how do I get people to trust me? Well, actually, just some really basic things like do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Don't make promises you can't keep, including promises to yourself. So, you know, for all those people who are saying to themselves, I, I really should go to the gym tonight. I really, I will, I, I, I will go to the gym tonight, knowing full well that they won't. <laughs> just decide, just say, I will go or I won't go, and then just live with it. Yeah. You're not going to go. Just say you're not going to go. Absolutely. So uh, accountability, mm. what do you mean by that? Accountability is about holding myself accountable for my actions, behaviours, and also being brave enough to hold other people accountable for their bit of the jigsaw as well. So being able to say, look, I did my bit. I don't think you've come up to the mark on your bit. And actually being able to say that and have that conversation. Mm. Mm. And, and can that lead into the next thing, though, which you mentioned was conflict? <laughs> yes, it, it can. Um, but I think conflict that is out there, you know, open, is able to be dealt with. Conflict that burrows, so is not spoken about. So I think that you haven't pulled your weight, but I'm not going to tell you that. I'm just going to now get really annoyed with you. <laughs> and irritated and I'm going to hold on to that like it's a little gift to myself because I've been so much better than you have that will never ever you know make a team work 
it will start to erode the trust. It will start to erode my own accountability to myself because all I'm doing is comparing myself to you, you know, and I'm going to be looking for defects. So I have to be able just to be straight and honest and say, I think I've done what I'm supposed to do, but also take the challenge back. If somebody says to me, Ken, I don't think you have. You know, you said you were going to do this. and I don't see that. I don't see that result. Then I have to be able to justify or say, do you know what? Fair enough. And I should apply some more to that. And I'm going to go away now and do that. It, it seems such a – you see these things sometimes magnified when people are doing big big journeys. I, I mean, I, I've traveled a fair bit in my past, and I know that sometimes when I've traveled pe- with people for you know a period of time and maybe didn't know them that well at the outset, that you know little niggles and yeah. little things start to – uh, you know, start to abraze, and I, I had the same conversation talking to Nigel Vardy, the mountaineer, right. um, on, on the last last call. You know how, uh, you know, and these things can actually really destroy expeditions, <laughs> can't they? How, how did you? Oh, absolutely. You that? We we had a. Uh, I think the thing for me was it'd be different for, if you talk to the other three in the crew. They'd they'd all have different things because that's the point, isn't it? We're all a bit different. The thing that I used to get annoyed about was because we only had four hours sleep when we were on full rotor, we, you'd get into the cabin with the other person who was in there with you, which was extremely tight, extremely, extremely tight. Too hot, revolting, but you'd get in, and all you'd want to do was shut your eyes and go to sleep. And if the other person decided that before they went to sleep, they were going to just have a little bit of a sort out of their gear or, I don't know, you know, um, to try and find their... Uh, paracetamol or whatever it was just like oh we we'll just go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> um and so you just had to say you know actually when we get in i really want to get off straight to sleep so do you mind if you know if we sort it out so that we can do that when we get in there um you know and and also you just have to take it on the chin too because you need to do a, a middle ground, you know. I want to go to sleep now. They don't. They want to get themselves sorted out. Both is fair. So you have to kind of go, do you know what, I'm going to have to learn to sleep while they're doing that. So there's a bit of kind of, do you know what, I'm just going to have to get on with that. Mm. I also thought, of course, it was only going to last 55 days, not 67 days, 7 hours and 20 minutes. So I thought it would be over quicker. <laughs> <laughs> it, so- it sounds like that, that 20, 7 hours and 20 minutes. You know, must- oh, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it's the only statistic I remember. I'm absolutely dreadful with numbers. And it's the only thing I've ever managed to keep in my head. <laughs> <laughs> must have seemed like ages. <laughs> so but Sometimes it did and other times it did. You know, it doesn't at all. It's five years ago, and I can't believe that. Right, so, amazing. Yeah. So I've got, yeah. a, I've got a couple of minutes left until the uh, next commercial break, but how, how do you measure this um, commitment, which you mentioned? I think you measure it through results often um, and, and through people willing to, you know, at, at, in the workplace, it's willing to stay on to get a job finished, not, you know, clocking off at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whenever they're supposed to be off. It's actually staying till the job's done putting in extra hours, putting in extra commitment, you know, in my own business, it's bringing your husband in to change the light bulbs, <laughs> as happened last week with us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know my staff are committed when they do that kind of thing. So, okay. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, is that, is that commitment or is that delegation? I, well, it could be both, and, and they're probably listening, so I better not say any more. <laughs> <laughs> but we love them dearly, yeah? 
<laughs> and and uh, that's the important thing about teams, isn't it? Is being able to roll your sleeves up. I, m- I remember being in a very difficult situation once when I was uh, managing um, all the managing all the agencies for it was uh, the Mars, the confectionery company, and I was seeing uh, some suppliers who were sort of performing okay, but there was somebody leading the uh, the group. And uh, the biggest bit of feedback that I had to give to her, in fr- and they decided to that I had to give it in front of the whole company, was that this one person never rolled her sleeves up. Oh, uh, how did that go? It was very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> and in front of people, yeah, That's they just harsh. I think they were expecting you know an amazing set of uh, you know set of set of feedback, and uh, there was there was a bit of a gap, and you know it was a bit of a lesson for me. I would never do that again in front of the whole company. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's so, amazing what you learn by getting things wrong, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. That was a good learning. It was a long time ago. Anyway, I think we're now moving in back into the next commercial break, so it's back again to, to Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper here with uh, world record holding transatlantic rower Kathy Tracy, and we're talking about teams. And we were talking about the five, uh, some five different um, elements that were important when we're uh, moving forward with our goals, and those were trust, accountability, willingness to have conflict, commitment, and attention to results. So uh, the one we haven't talked about, Kathy, uh, in terms of these elements that we need to really get right was uh, team results. So how do businesses, for example, make sure that people are paying attention to the results? 
I think it's a focus from all over the business, but particularly from the leadership that they do focus on results. Um, and I think you know, I said it at the beginning of the show, it's not enough to want to be part of a team. You have to look at what you're trying to achieve. And that needs to be the focus. You know, we're here to do this, not we're here to have a nice time together. And it would be quite nice if we made a profit at the end of it. Actually, we need to, what's this company about? What are we actually trying to achieve here? What's the What's the driving force? Let's get that clear. Let's get the focus right. Let's concentrate on what the results are. The teamwork will come in behind that because it will have to. So, it's, but, but we need to always keep our eye, I guess, on those results. Absolutely, and, and absolutely. Because you know, how else do you know whether you're doing well or not? You know, if we rode across the Atlantic but sort of left the map behind, huh. it wouldn't have been so good, would it? <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, you actually mentioned to me at once, uh, I think that you uh, you kind of lost uh, communication, didn't you? Yeah, we uh, lost our satellite phone. Um, I say lost it. That sounds a little bit careless. Um, we, we lost communication. The, the satellite phone probably got wet, we think, um, and basically we, we lost communication after about probably less than two weeks or around two weeks, something like that. Um, and it was very interesting what happened really um, from a, a kind of from my um, kind of psychological aspect I suppose um, because to me actually I was quite delighted when we lost the satellite phone and if any of the rest of the crew are listening they'll be going oh god she's mad um, I mean they already know this but I actually struggled when we were in communication with people because people were getting advice or you know people were kind of concentrating on what was happening at home, worried about family or, or other things that were happening. And I, I'd kind of got myself into a, right, we're now rowing the Atlantic, that's our thing, that's what we've got to do, um, and which probably seemed very staunch to everybody else. Um, but actually when the satellite phone went down, although safety-wise I could understand why people were concerned, and that, that's absolutely, you know, on the button. I mean, one of my things is that I'm not terribly... Um, risk conscious, if you like, um, you know, uh, I guess that's partially what allows me to be an entrepreneur and sometimes make money and sometimes not make money. Um, but I, you know, that that kind of whole now it's just us because we haven't got anybody else to rely on, I actually experienced as being quite a positive um, and, you know, it really made our row our row not, you know, kind of everybody else. Directing you, yeah. Yeah, in saying that, actually getting that row completed was much more than the four people who actually ended up rowing it. For a start, we actually had five in the crew. We actually had a reserve who came with us all the way to the start line and then turned around and came home again because the four of us hadn't fallen over on a banana skin that she kept trying to throw in front of us or anything else. Um <laughs> And we had, I, I would think, in the region of anywhere between 30 and 50 people in our project teams raising funds, raising awareness, um, getting the charities on board, you know, all sorts of stuff going on in the background, running our communications, running our website, following us across the Atlantic. Um, you know, people knew where we were, even though we didn't know what was going on with them. Um, they often knew more about the race than we did. In fact, most of the time they did. Um, my mum 
you know, was was kept in the loop, even though she was in New Zealand. The rest of the crew were here from Guernsey, um, and she was kept up to date with everything. Um, uh, unfortunately, including the fact that that a boat fairly near us got attacked by a shark, oh which um, yeah, she found out uh, the day our satellite phone went down. So her news from her side of the world was boat gets attacked by a shark, and then clicks onto our website. Uh, we've had no contact with the girls. Oh my Oops. word. Yes, so uh, she hasn't thanked me for her um, rather accelerated greying over that period. <laughs> so, so just, just, um, I just want to sort of ask you as well. You know, what did it, what, what did it um, feel like? You know, when you know the great team was operating, and when you achieved your result, uh, about a minute or two left. Almost so. undescribable, Chris. Fabulous, euphoric, sad it was over, happy we'd done it a huge raft of emotions um, and just a feeling of having achieved something that was so much more than all of us individually. And that's not just the crew, that's the entire team. Mm. So, so completely, complete collective thing. I, I've just like to uh, just finally ask, um, you know, what, what are the first steps? If, if somebody's got a team right now and they're not performing, we've got about a minute for this question. What are the first steps that they should take? I would say one thing, because I've got a minute, and that would be a compelling goal. That's what I would say. You've got to have something that people can drive towards. You can't just gather them all together and make them into a team without some kind of function, some kind of drive, performance drive, to make them achieve something more than they can on their own. Amazing. So, yeah, so keep, keep focused, get that goal in place. Think big, you know, rowing yeah. the Atlantic wasn't something that a 43-year-old should have been doing, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. I th this is an, um, a, a fabulous subject which impacts us, us all. So thank you so much for your time today, Cathy. Thank um, you, Chris. Taken a lot, uh, lot from it, and I'm sure our listeners will have too. And I just want to also just mention too that, you know, we talked about, you know, having great intentions and, you know, there being a gap between intentions and behaviour. Uh, you know, having intentions, it's, it's, we're not naturally designed as, as people to follow through with our goals. So actually having strategies in place that can help us follow through our goals so we don't wiggle out of them is really, really important. And next week we're going to have on the show um, Dr. Stephen Levinson. Um, Stephen is uh, one, of the, one of the world's foremost experts on following through and uh, he had a huge impact on me and there's a great story how we met and actually now we're co-writing a book together on this subject because we think it's so important. So that will be um, with Dr. Steve Levinson next week. Don't miss it. Uh, thank you again, Cathy. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> and uh, please do send your feedback through to me. It's info at bemoreachievemore.com because it, it means so much when I receive it. So thank you very much indeed and uh, speak to you all again next week. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.